Hello, LMTs, and thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Let's Talk Sheets with Jeanette and Chad. During today's episode, we are going to talk to you about how to establish your ideal client. I know some of you are going to be surprised by this because when you're first starting out, your primary concern usually is just to get clients walking in through the door to make money. But when you're establishing a business, your main focus should be, who do I want to work on, right? Yes, absolutely. You know, it's not just about making money, but it's about working on the people who are going to benefit from what you provide. We've mentioned this several times, you know, we uh, talk about how you're the obvious choice and that goes beyond, well, I'm just a great therapist. Uh, I received a great education. It really challenges you to be specific about what your specialty is or rather who you want to work on, what you enjoy doing. Definitely. And you really just defined part of ideal client for us. Yeah. Your ideal client is who you want to work on based on what you enjoy doing because you want your job to be enjoyable, right? I don't, Chad, I don't really enjoy giving standard Swedish massages. So I don't advertise for that particular type of client, nor does my re website reflect that in its colors, its design scheme, description, so on and so forth. Yes, exactly. Uh, so let's kick it off with you. How did you define your ideal client, Jeanette? You know, I just, Chad, I just never had a desire to do relaxation massage. And when I say that, I'm directly referring to Swedish techniques only. No trigger point work whatsoever. It just wasn't my thing. So when I was advertising, I made sure to define my work as deep tissue or concentrated focus on areas of discomfort. And those are the clients that I got. I received clients that had chronic pain, acute pain from injuries. You know, they needed relief. Hey, my shoulder's locked up. Hey, my knee has been bothering me. I don't want to come across as I never use Swedish techniques because I absolutely do. I just don't solely rely on them as my only technique during my sessions. And by defining the clients that I wanted to have through my initial advertising, it made it easier to choose continuing ed courses that aligned with that direction. I think so, that's, sorry, I, I was just going to say, I think that's an amazing approach. I mean, you essentially decided what your business was going to be from the beginning and you, you stuck to your guns, right? You, this is who I want to work on and this is, I'm not going to be doing it with other people. The major thing about that is that I just did that inherently. No one taught me how to do that. It wasn't until you and I hooked up as, you know, you're my website designer and I'm the person paying you to design my website where I realized that the process that I followed was the exact process that you're going to talk about today. It just, I knew who I wanted to work on. And when I was visualizing what my space would look like, what my business cards would look like, I knew exactly what I wanted. So that makes it easier for you down the road. I talked about choosing continuing ed courses. I don't choose continuing ed courses that are like myofascial release or, you know, um, nerve stretches or anything like that, because it doesn't really fit with the clientele that I want to have coming into my door. It's kind of like making a T-chart back in the day. I don't know if you remember doing those, but you know, oh, it, was, yeah, I do. it was kind of like, you know, okay, so this is my framework and does it fit? Cool. Goes into the box. Does it not fit? Right. I'm not doing it. 
Right. And that's, and that's the problem that massage therapists get into. What happens usually is they slam up an advertisement. You know, if they're fortunate enough to be in storefront, they can put up a chalkboard and then they just get random people coming in the door. And because those random people, they might've enjoyed the way you did a Swedish massage. But if you don't enjoy doing Swedish massage, every time they walk in the door, you're going to go, Oh God. And nobody wants that. That's why we're having this episode about establishing your ideal client because you want to enjoy your job from the day you start it. Yeah, and you mentioned it makes it easier for you down the road. I mean, that goes into your advertising, right? So you don't have to create as many different advertisements to try to cater to everybody. You have a very Mm -hmm, defined mm -hmm. target, right? It goes into your continuing education, what classes you're gonna take, that affects your budget, that affects your travel. It affects everything with your business. Oh yeah. Um, Where you do free chair massages, whether or not you go to a gym, whether or not you go to corporate massages, whether or not you're going to advertise at the gym down the road that is mainly built for stay-at-home moms that put their kids in preschool for two hours. You know, like this topic has more of an impact on your business than you think it does. And some of you, if you've already had established businesses, you probably did it inherently like I did. But the way we're going to break this down is going to make sense. And give yourselves a pat on the back because if you're looking at your clientele base and there's not one client that you would basically like kick out the door, you did it perfectly. You did it perfectly. Uh, That's no easy feat. And you had mentioned, you know, the the gym where, you know, the mom has kids in preschool. Well, guess what? They talk to each other. And if that's your ideal client, you're going to get referrals from them too. No. Yeah, they do. Because that's like, uh, (laughs) it's like 50% of my clients, right? which I, which I love. I love it. I love them. They're the best. If you guys are not, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you in on a little secret about stay at home moms. They may sound like they're just like these crazy animals, that have like nothing under control. They are some of the funniest people (laughs) during your sessions because I don't, while some of my clients, I don't know how they do it, fall asleep while I'm doing deep tissue work. My stay at home moms are the ones that are like, oh my God, yes, get that shoulder. My, I'm so, my five-year-old constantly wants me to pick them up (laughs) and it's hilarious. It's, it, keeps my day interesting, which is what I love. Cause I never get bored. Right. And another way that it affects your business is we talk about this all the time, establishing that trust, that relationship. And while as therapists, we still have to maintain that ethical boundary of, I don't tell you too much about my life. You don't tell me too much about your life so on and so forth, those boundaries are going to come smack right up against each other. And it's nice to know that, especially when I came back, uh, rewind even before that, when COVID started, 75% of my clients reached out to me and they said, are you okay? Wow. Yeah. Big bonus. They care about you. Like you're part of their life. Right. Right. I did because I established my ideal client. And part of that, as crazy as this may sound to people that don't think like I do, 
I put it out in the universe. This literally just said it over and over again. This is the type of person that I want. I'm genuine. I want a genuine person. And that's exactly what I got because my clients were checking in with me every single month. That's amazing. Hey, are you doing okay? If you need money, you can unpause my membership. So it goes beyond just the, who do you want to work on and what style of massage do you want to do? It also goes into what type of person do you want to attract? What personality? Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And that story about, you know, during everything that's been going on in 2020, I mean, that's, that's the epitome of the purpose, right? Mm -hmm. That it's like literally the point of why we do this. Right. And, you know, I'll admit with my business, I did not set my ideal client in the beginning. It took me a little while to figure out uh, that's what I needed to do. And now I work with massage therapists uh, all over, you know, uh, the country. And, you know, <laughs> they are definitely one of my ideal clients because they have a need. I fulfill it. They're easygoing enough that, you know, there's not this. I have some stories about clients that we're not going to get into non-massage therapy clients, what other clients, right? <laughs> right, right, and right. Some we of them, all do. Yeah. And some of them, some of them could be, you know, a little tougher to handle, but when I started to establish my ideal client, I no right. longer attracted the people that were a handful. I only attracted people that were grateful for what I provided and that understood the value and had no reason to ever leave uh, right. as a client. Right. And that's not to say, guys, some of you may not know exactly what kind of client you want to work on, because during our education, we only receive Swedish deep tissue. Some of us, depending on our state, might get Reiki, you know, a little bit of aromatherapy. It is completely okay to do what Chad did and not really, not really have an idea. If you don't have an idea, don't force yourself into creating an, an idea, an ideal client, excuse me. But within that first one or two weeks that you're open, you're going to learn really quickly who you want to work on based on who comes in your door. So and, and I think, not, yeah, it's not to say you can't change your, you know, ideal client. Oh, absolutely. As well. Yeah. No, you can be like, then, oh, I tried this one. They don't work. I, I, I'm going to try something <laughs> different. Right. I parked up no. the wrong tree there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and in fact, we, we do this all the time. So I have a colleague of mine that did Swedish deep tissue aromatherapy, all the standard stuff, incorporated craniosacral. And then after she did that for about 10, 20 years, now she's strictly hospice. Like that is her, that is her thing. But she had all of these clients built up. And then when they started to reach the age where they were basically in a circumstance where they were near death, she realized that she had a deep, deep passion for providing them that comfort and totally switched her game plan. And she's super good at it. So it's not, there are so many different ways that this, this can go, but for the purposes of this episode, and now would be a really good time to take a break. When we come back from break, we're going to discuss how to establish your ideal client and how you can convey who your ideal client is through your marketing techniques. So don't go too far. Maybe take a load out of the washer and put it in the dryer. Come right back and we'll catch you in a bit.
Welcome back, guys. Okay, so what we're going to do now is going to be kind of fun. We've done this before in the past where Chad calls me out on the spot. (laughs) So Chad's going to kind of talk about the process of how to establish your ideal client. And we're going to walk through kind of an exercise on how to do this. So take notes, grab a pen and paper while you're folding your sheets um, and play along. So there's... There's many names that goes by, right? Ideal client, uh, avatar, buyer persona. I go with buyer persona uh, because that's kind of universal. I work with all different types of clients. So when you hear me say buyer persona, you know, that's it's the same thing as an ideal client. Um, so the first thing that we want to establish with our personas, uh, first, let's understand what a persona is. A persona is a fictional person. It's a fictional uh, made up uh, person, right? They, they exist out there, but for the purpose of understanding our business and creating our marketing and knowing who our ideal client is, we're going to assign, uh, you know, values to them. Right. So Jeanette, what I want you to do, uh, the very first thing that I want you to do is we're going to do some of the demographic stuff, right? Because buyer personas are more than just demographics. It's more than just gender or age. Uh, it goes way deeper than that. Right. Okay. So we'll take your business into uh, account. So just be, you know, totally truthful with this. Um, tell me off the, we're just going to establish one right now. Uh, is your, is your, this persona, is it going to be a male or female for your ideal client? Female. Okay. So we're going to do a female, uh, what age range? Let's just give it a 10 to 15 year gap. Anywhere from, uh, I would say 35 to 50. Okay. Perfect. Um, and is this person married or are they single? Married or has been married. So if that's the beauty of a persona, you can do two separate ones that still follow the same, but then change one of the factors. Okay. Right. The most, most businesses should have at a starting point between seven to 10 personas and the, the point of that is, is when it comes time to run an advertisement to do some marketing, we're putting stuff out there that resonates with that person, right? And right. a married female 35 to 50 is going to resonate differently with content than a previously married female 35 to 50. See where right. I'm going with this? Right. I do. I do. I do. Okay. So she's married. Does she work? Yes. She does work full-time, I imagine. Yes. Yes. Okay. And what industry is uh, this person in? Industry? um, Generally speaking, I don't, this is, this is the hardest part because I have, I have clients from all industries, but generally speaking, and I don't know if this counts, I'm strictly thinking nine to five. Perfect. So a nine to five style job. And I do, and this is, this is an important notation. I do consider stay at home mom, a nine to five. Absolutely. And a stay at home mom, nine to five is going to resonate with content differently. So we would create a different persona for that person. Okay, cool. Keep going. Keep going. I like this game. Okay, cool. Um, the next question is going to be uh, kind of a fun one. Uh, what is the name of this female who's 35 to 50, who's married, who works full time at a nine to five style job? Oh, Lori. Lori. L-O-R-I. L-O-R-I. Yes. Okay. So what we've done is we've established Lori, 
So what you would do is you would create more of these, right? You would create okay. some that are different genders, different ages, different industries, different job status, marital status, and you're going to assign a name to each one of those. And you and said seven to 10, right? Seven to 10 is a great starting point. Some businesses, okay. 10 is perfectly fine. Some businesses, uh, they're going to need to target and they're going to have 40 or 50. It all depends on your industry okay. for the sake of uh, massage therapy. Seven to 10 is perfectly fine. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, okay. cool. All right. So we have Lori okay. and we would recreate this over and over for different people. And we would have seven to 10. And at the end of the day, these are the only seven to 10 people that we are ever going to market to. If somebody okay. does not match Lori or one of your other six to nine uh, buyer personas, that is not somebody that you, you want to attract as a client. They may seem perfect, but your business structure is going to be built around catering to these people. Okay. That makes, that makes total sense. And I think I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you made that clarification because I think a lot of us may have been listening to this and thinking, wait, one buyer persona. No, it's multiple guys. And what you'll find when you start doing this, because I do have 25% is, is male population. I, I do have different personas that come in and receive massage, but ultimately they are all attracted to how I market. That's the reason why we're going through this, but I keep going, Chad. I, this is fun. I like doing games. <laughs> so, um, like I mentioned, this is what your uh, business is going to be uh, built around, right? So right. I want you to imagine a piece of content that you've seen on social media, right? You're going through Instagram, you're going through Facebook. Think of something okay. that stops you dead in your tracks. You're scrolling, scrolling. And it's, it's known that we scroll miles of content right. per day on social media, miles. Right. So think of something that stopped you dead in your tracks and you spent that quarter of a second and just like took something in. Something that was uh, hand-drawn, like, okay. uh, like artist, like artist drawn, not a photo, nothing. And is that because you love art or is that because it was different than everything else you had been seeing through that feed? Definitely. It's definitely partly because that's different than what I've been seeing through that feed. We're in a, we're in a culture where there's a lot of selfies. There's a lot of landscapes. There's a lot of pictures of food, stuff like that. But I should clarify simple artwork stops me dead in my tracks. Not, not abstract with a lot of patterns, just something that is centered, maybe maybe a nice, a nice background. And that's it. Simple is what stops me dead in my tracks. That's okay. what I'm attracted to. Okay. So if you were my ideal client and I wanted to create a persona around that, you would not fall under a nine to five, right? You would fall under something else. You would fall under somebody who's, you know, uh, industry style person who may work off hours, who may not work seven days a week or five days a week. They might work Monday, Thursday, Saturday, right? Okay. I would create a persona for that person. And part of the interest that I would put in there is into art, into, right? And you can add these personas. These okay. are just, this is just the base of it. But as you continue to refine these people and get to know who they are, you can add these additional items into it, right? Lori might right. be into art that is just black and white and very structured and clean, right? Well, right. cool. If you're finding your lawyers are into that sort of thing, 
put it down because right. now you can create content that's going to be attractive to them. That's going to resonate with them. And as you're putting stuff out specifically for a persona, you're going to notice that your views, your engagements, your shares are going to go up because it got in front of the right person at the right time. Right. And it's also insanely important to put that out there energetically as well. Um, I know we haven't gone deep into this topic before, but once you put that out there, the universe, God, mother earth, whoever, if you believe in a higher power is going to hear that. And they're going to say, okay, this is the type of person that's going to make Jeanette happy to work on. So let's find those people. So when you're refining these clients, it might seem completely ridiculous to put in this artwork and stuff like that. But the more specific you are, you're going to find out, and you might not even realize it until one or two years down the road, like I did, that you're going to get clients that line up with one or more of these personas. Let's do one more. Let's do one more okay. persona. So uh, gender. Male. Age range. Same age range, 35. No, hmm, male. We'll do... Don't overthink it. We'll do it. 40 to 60. Married or unmarried? Married. Um, and is he working or retired? Um, he is working. Okay, full-time or part-time? Um, full-time. What type of uh, industry? What type of work? Commission-based. Commission-based, so probably sales-driven, right? Sales, sales-driven. Um, sometimes it could be could be self-employed. Yeah. Any one of those types of adjustable schedule kind of things. I like that. Um, and what's this person's name? Todd. Todd. Two D's or one? Two. Okay, so. Imagine you have your two ideal clients, Todd and Lori, and you are sitting down to put down your content, your advertising content and your marketing content for the week. Are you going to put out one piece of content that you believe will resonate with Todd and Lori, or are you going to create two separate pieces of content, one that resonates Ooh. with Todd and one that resonates with Lori? Bomb drop. Um, personally, I would put out two different pieces of content. It sounds like a lot of work once you get to seven to 10, right? It sounds like a lot of work to say, oh my gosh, I have to sit down and put together 10 different pieces of content. It's going to be more along the lines of this week, I'm going to talk to Todd. I'm going to talk to the right. Todds of the world. Right. And next week, I'm going to talk to the Lori's. Okay. And maybe the week after I'm going to, I've got, I know I've, my schedule's a little bit, you know, open. I'm going to put together content for Todd's and Lori's and right. maybe, maybe Gina, if I created a Gina, right? So right. just because you have seven different pieces of content to create, doesn't mean they have to all go out at the same time and all be done, uh, you know, personalized every single week. You can space right. them out. You can do them as you need to. Uh, if you're craving working on, you know, deep tissue muscle and so-and-so persona resonates best with that, well, you're going to put out some stuff to try and attract that person. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Absolutely. Okay. So typically when I go through this, I will 
go into a little bit more detail. So I just want to give you all the bullets of establishing a buyer persona that I normally go through with my clients. Uh, okay. So, you know, we have them go through the age, gender, what city they live in. Cause usually I'm working with somebody who understands their locality, right? Mm -hmm. So what city mm -hmm. is this person from? Right. And then we understand socioeconomic classes and that sort of thing. Right. Um, are they stay at home? Do they work? What do they do for a living? Do they have a family? Right. Do they have kids? How many do they right. have? Because that's a factor. Somebody who has three kids that are out of the house, you're going to target differently than somebody has three kids that are in the house. Correct. Right. Are they married? What is their income look like? That's important because if you are working on somebody that is at a, you know, 45K versus a 150K, that's different marketing and content that you have to put together. People resonate right. differently. Right. Absolutely. Um, what's their personality like? Are they confident? Are they high maintenance? Are they trendy? Right. Those are important aspects. Um, when they when they look at themselves in the mirror, what do they see? Are they well maintained? Are they, uh, you know, those sorts of items? How do they get their news? That's also important when you're talking about who the person is. Do they get their news by watching TV, by doing podcasts, by um, social media? Somebody who gets their news from social media is different than somebody who watches, you know, Fox News. They're two totally right. different people mindsets. And that one you may one you may want to attract, one you may not to. And there is something called negative personas that you can establish and do the exact same practice, but then say, these are the people I will not attract. These are the people I do not want to have on my table. Right. Okay. Right. So this exercise is how you create uh, your buyer personas. Like I said, seven to 10 is a really good number because it gives you a solid foundation of who you should be targeting. And once you understand the people you should be targeting, now you can start to attract your ideal clients and start marketing effectively uh, to these people. You know, when right. we're talking about marketing, we're talking about business cards, our, our websites, uh, font sizes, all those things are super important once we've established who we want on our table. You know, if, if my clientele is going to be, uh, you know, all bodybuilder males and I don't work on any females, chances are I don't want my marketing materials to be, you know, magenta. Right, right. Right. I'm, I mean, it's I'm, I'm laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing because that is that, that I, it sounds silly, but it's true. It's, it, it's true. So <clears throat> with your, I, you know, I say it over and over again, your website is your core marketing piece, right? Cause you have the ability to, you know, create audiences for retargeting advertising. You have the ability to change content without having to reprint something. You can simply add a landing page with the, uh, with the content that you want on there. Um, but, you know, even beyond that, you have to think about your fonts, right? If you're working with a certain age group of people, serifs may turn them off. They may be raised in a generation where, you know, serifs versus sans serifs is a, is a mm -hmm. deal breaker for them, right? Right. So those are all super important things when it comes to your logo. I can say universally, simple is better. Keep it simple. If you can't embroider it on a shirt, it's too busy. Right. Yeah. If, you, if you've got a logo that the embroiderer says it's going to cost you an after extra $50 to make this happen, you need to take a step back and look at it because it, it's not a logos are not about uh, the detail of the graphic. It's about creating something that is memorable enough in association with you and what you represent.
Right. And you also don't want to have to adjust it because there will be print materials, papers, forms, stuff that you want to slap your logo on. And if it's printing awkwardly, right, especially when you get to like corporate chair massage, when you're, when you say, Hey, I'm going to email you over this form and your logos on top of it. Well, you may print out all your stuff in color, but if that company doesn't want to waste the color ink and they print it out in black and white, you have all these damn details in there. It's going to look weird. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It should absolutely be able to be printed in solid black, solid white, or a solid, uh, you know, branded color um, easily without losing any, you know, quality of what the logo represents. I mean, if you look at our logo, it's a, it's a triangle, right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it has, it has meaning, it has purpose, and it resonates with who we are. Right. Um, right, right, so, right. Yeah, marketing material is super important. And as we are going through and putting together our content, um, you know, we we want to say who is this piece of content for? You don't have to right. do one for every single person every time, uh, but you should have a purpose behind everything that you post, everything that you do when it comes to marketing and advertising, whether it be free with social media or you're jumping into advertising that's paid. Can we talk about color scheme for a little bit? Cause I, I, this is how I went about my color scheme for my business cards for, um, which inadvertently directly reflected when I hooked up with you to design my website. Color schemes is not just looking at the color wheel and going, okay, what's monochromatic, right? You can, there are a bunch of different programs that you can go into. I think PowerPoint, if you have PowerPoint on there, um, where they have like set kind of color schemes, like some of them might say it, like element or uh, business casual or, uh, you know, see uh, escape. And there's already a selection of colors that have been professionally picked out to blend well. Now, would you suggest looking at those kinds of things when you're designing your business card and website? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, I know you that's a, I know, I know that's a simple answer, but uh, absolutely. I mean, there's a website called mycolor.space and you essentially put in one color and it creates an entire palette for you. So if you put in a purple, it's going to give you what contrasts well with it, what doesn't contrast well with it. It's going to give you exactly what it is you need. And, you know, for you, your website was based off of a earthy uh, right. setup, right? You, you told me this is, this is who I am. This is what I want. This is who my clients are. And we created a color scheme based off of, uh, based off of that. Right. And when you're going to a place now, I was lucky enough that my tattoo artist also enjoyed doing stuff like that. And I simply said, Hey, I'm going to send you a couple pictures of the tree that I like. It happens to be the tree of life, like the mirrored reflection. So I said, make this your own because I love artwork, make this your own. And this is the kind of the qualities that I want. You know, it's, you know, it's not all female geared. It's not male geared. It has to be, I wanted it a neutral color scheme, but still conveyed the ideal client that I wanted. And she popped it out spot on the first time. And I provided her with one color and I said, pick it out. She's the expert. I don't know jack crap about colors, 
And I didn't know that those things were available to me until after, but when you're taking your ideas to a professional graphic designer or a professional artist, you can look this up and give them, Hey, this is kind of what I'm thinking. This is the color scheme that I want. And it makes their job way easier instead of choosing from all, all of the primary colors and going, is this kind of what you wanted? And you're like, I didn't want pink. I wanted blue. It's probably going to save you money too, because you're not going to have as many revisions, right? They're not going to have to try and establish that stuff in the beginning. You're going to say, here's everything I have. You let them do their magic and chances are it's going to be many, many fewer revisions uh, than otherwise would have been. So yeah, that's going to save you some money on top of that. Right, 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 right. Oh, I love talking marketing. Marketing's fun. I, you know, this I, is this is just great because it brings me back to like five years ago when I was first designing my business and all of the excitement that I had. This is all the fun stuff that you get to play around with. You know, you can have five different versions of a business card in front of you and go and be and narrow it down. Like it, this is the fun part, and you can change it. Like if it works for a while, you can change it. When we first started my website, it was like green, brown. Now it's totally different. I love it. It, It's always going to evolve. Just like your business is going to evolve. Just like your personas are going to evolve. You're constantly going to have new stuff coming up uh, that, you know, you're going to be saying, oh, this definitely resonates better with me and with my clients that I have now. So, um, you know, it's... I love the ever evolving part of business. You know, I've had parts of my business that are not anything like they used to be. And I have parts that I had before and that I love now and are a huge part of it. And as I continue to refine and define who I am uh, in my business, you know, I I just get happier and happier. Right. So also when we talk about, so we talked about, building those personas and then how those personas directly influence your color scheme, your font size, your logo. What else do those personas influence? Your advertising. Like where? Uh, absolutely. Where is going to be definitely part of it and what? What's, as a general rule of thumb, what you post on Facebook should not be posted on Instagram. Those are two different audiences altogether. A lot That's of a people, whole different episode because it is, I it is. probably I, failed. <laughs> um, well, I, I fail sometimes. Oftentimes people will just post in one place and repost the exact same thing somewhere else. And it's convenient, right? But when you right. think about the breakdown of age alone, if you take just every, th- every other element out of there and you look at just age, they are two different people. And that's when you establish your personas. Now you know where to post, right? For right. organic and, okay. you know, advertising. Uh, you're not going to, you're not going to take that post or that content and advertise on a platform where people aren't. Right. And I'm glad you brought that up because we actually have, um, a course coming out, um, hope soon specifically about how to use Instagram for your business. Yeah. I mean, stories, posts. I mean, it's, it's a really in-depth, uh, how to and understanding Instagram and how it can really, you know, support your business the right way. Right. Especially for massage therapists. But when we talk about places that you advertise this also, this isn't just like where you're printing stuff. This also includes, you know, where, if you're going to offer 
you know, chair massages or table massages at gyms or other facilities, what those facilities are, you know, you're not, if you don't want to do like take Chad's example, he has bodybuilders galore and has no females. You're not going to go to the gym down the street that focuses their marketing on the, on females. You're going to go to, you know, Joe's boxing place. That's where you're going to go. So you also have to think about where other places are marketing. Sorry. What other places are marketing towards in order to design who you're going to network with? Like, do you guys see how this is kind of like a snowball effect and how, when you narrow just by doing those seven to 10 buyer personas, how that infiltrates your business and streamlines it to make it easier for you. It helps you make those hard decisions too. You know, when it comes, of course, you're going to be attracting the right people and you're going to be, you know, setting yourself up for success. But when that question comes, do I take this person? Don't I take this person? You now have a solid foundation to say they don't fit my personas or they do fit my personas or they're not there, but they actually would be an ideal client. Let me create a persona around this person so you can begin attracting more of them, right? You now have these defining pieces that you can make these decisions on. Right. And that's important because that's going to bring us into, God, we, you know what, when I look back, we are so good at planning our episodes because next week's episode is creating other income streams, which goes along with that whole idea of, when you create your ideal client, it makes it easier to select your marketing tools, select your design, select your continuing ed courses and build other income streams that would also pertain to those clients that you already have. Absolutely. hundred percent. Nice. Nice. Oh yes, man. I'm so happy. I'm so proud of us. High five, virtual high five, virtual high five. Okay, guys. Keep folding those sheets, put them back on the shelves, nice and neat. Get back to your day if you have more massages and we will catch you next week. Bye guys.